Hello, hello, and welcome to the Creative Solutions Podcast. I'm your host, Isolde Trachtenberg. Thank you so much for being here. Today's a special episode because it's sort of a rebroadcast of another podcast that I run called The Vegan Life. The Vegan Life is designed to look at creative solutions, people who choose to live a cruelty-free lifestyle, especially in their 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and beyond, might employ in order to keep living and thriving and having those very, very good lives. So I'm thinking of bringing the entire Vegan Life podcast to Friday episodes of the Creative Solutions podcast because there's a real integration there for me. There's a real way of looking at the world where I feel like all the different parts of myself need to come together. And that's a creative solution of sorts for me too, because it's easy for all of us to get super scattered. Am I right? It's it's easy for us to feel like we have to do this and that and this and that and this and that and the other at all times, when instead we could be consolidating, we could be bringing everything together and really only focusing on the thing we need to focus on right now in order to live that very best and most juiciest of lives. And so that's part of what this is all about for me is I wanted to bring that aspect of my life into the Creative Solutions podcast because living a cruelty-free lifestyle is one of the tenets of my life. It's one of the things that I want to shout from the rooftops, actually, but also embrace, just really embrace that part of myself. So I am bringing this episode here, and for the next few weeks, probably you will get, if you download to listen to the Friday episodes, you're going to get Vegan Life episodes as I make the decision about whether or not to bring it into the Creative Solutions podcast family or whether or not to leave it its own standalone podcast. I'm going to be putting the links to each from each so that you can do that easily. And uh, I hope that you enjoy this version of the Creative Solutions podcast. And what I'm calling it is a vegan life solution. Hello, and welcome to the Creative Solutions Podcast. I'm your host, Isolde Trachtenberg. Whether you're writing the first sentence of a story or solving the climate crisis, you need to think in new ways. On the show, I interview peak performers who are coming up with those creative solutions. Through creativity, action, inspiration, and innovation, they're changing the world. I also bring you ideas and techniques that you can use to unlock your potential to do the same. And now, let's get to the show. Hello, and welcome to the Vegan Life Podcast. I'm your host, Isolde Trachtenberg. A couple of things are going on today in that if you like this show, I'm going to encourage you to check out the Creative Solutions Podcast. It is bringing you this show today, and I might be moving the show over to the Creative Solutions Podcast. I'm still not sure, but I'm giving you a heads up now. Go ahead and subscribe to that show and listen on Fridays because I'm going to be airing this same episode on Fridays there for a little while while I also air it on this Vegan Life actual show. All right, so I wanted to do that. I wanted to get that out of the way. Today, I have a, an incendiary topic to talk to you about. And the topic is, why do non-vegans give vegans such grief about being vegan and what do we do about it, right? Because 
I'll tell you something. I mean, there are so many memes out there that people who don't give a crap about what you eat or what you do or how you dress or who you are. The second you say that you're vegan, they're like, oh, where are you going to get your protein? And how could you? And whatever else they decide to say. Lots and lots of people have lots and lots of opinions as soon as somebody says they're vegan. And it's the, the meme is something like, yeah, this this completely, you know, this accountant all of a sudden becomes a nutritionist and a doctor and, you know, board certified within within the space of a heartbeat when they hear that you have gone vegan or that you are vegan. And frankly, when that happens to me, I, I kind of go, OK, I don't need to talk to you about this. I don't need to justify this to you. And so that's what I say inside my own head. But in the conversation, I'll talk a little bit about, yes, I get plenty of protein. There's lots of protein and lots of different kinds of foods that are vegan. And it's possible to be an athlete. And there's a, a beautiful, beautiful uh, documentary all about vegan athletes called Game Changers. I'm going to put the link to that in the show notes. If you're wondering about people like Patrick Baboumian, who was at one point and may still be the strongest man in the world, who is completely vegan and an animal rights activist in his own right. So that whole, oh, you're going to be sickly, you're not going to have enough energy, you're not going to be long-lived. No, that's just not proving to be true. I'm not a nutritionist, I'm not a medical doctor, but I know lots of vegans who are doing great and do not need uh, to put dead animals in their bodies in order to feel that way. So there is that. And then I want to, I heard something uh, and I wish I had the source. I don't. But this is beautiful. And the meme was and it was a meme, but it made me think, yeah, it's it was you can never win an argument with a vegan because the argument isn't with the vegan. It's with your own conscience. Right. So why do non vegans give vegans such grief about being vegan? That's one of the reasons there's got to be at least a little bit of a as soon as someone goes, oh, yeah, I don't eat dead animals and I don't use dead animal products. The other person has to subconsciously instantaneously kind of justify to themselves why they do. Right. Think about that for a second. Within an instant, this person has to go, well, I do eat dead animals. And some people double down and go, oh, yeah, I eat meat. Oh, you know, I love the blood dripping down my mouth. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I've had people say that to me. And it just makes me realize that that person is not someone I need to spend time with on a personal level because they're not in a place to actually be cognizant or, or conscious of their behavior in that moment. Because why would you do that? Why would you say that to someone, to anyone at all about anything, right? Why would you be so incredibly rude to someone about something, someone you've just been having a great conversation with up until that moment when the person ordered a, the vegan option? Why would you do that? You, you would never do that in other times, right? And so you show yourself to be rude and, and instantaneously, it's a reaction. And I think it's because that uh, instant moment of going, oh, this is what I do and I better defend myself. And the thing is, there is this preconceived notions that vegans are attacking you for eating the way you're eating. Now, some will, some will judge some, you know, some will go, okay, yeah, you are, <laughs> you are, you're eating a dead animal there. You're eating a corpse. There's a rotting corpse inside you when you eat this. And we have to be honest about it. That's exactly what's happening. And outside of the cruelty, the un un 
unconscionable cruelty to animals, uh, which some people may be able to turn uh, away from. There's also, you're putting a corpse in your body. You're putting something that died screaming in your body. And personally, I never want to take that kind of energy in. And I've been vegetarian. I went vegetarian in 1987. If you've listened to the show, you know that. I went vegan in the early aughts. And it just, it's lovely to feel like I get to live kind of a guilt-free life. I don't have to worry about it. And, but someone who is not vegan and who is in that position of going, oh, I have to think about this. Even for a second, it, it, it feels like an attack because it's an attack of their own conscience, right? Somebody may be overtly saying, oh, I can't believe you'd eat a dead animal. They may be saying that. But if, they're, if the person is having dinner with me, I'm not going to do that. I live by example. I, that's what I do about it. I post, I, I do amazing restaurant reviews. Well, I do reviews of amazing restaurants that are all vegan. I post all the beautiful vegan food I eat on Instagram, on Facebook, on TikTok, wherever I, wherever I can. I talk about all the beautiful, incredible food you can eat that has nothing to do with anything having to do with uh, animals. Lots and lots of variety, tons of variety, tons of succulents, scrumptious food that you can eat. And so that's what I do. I talk about it that way. And I know many people who just seeing me talk about it and, and seeing me post about the pretty food I eat uh, have tried it. And uh, yes, I recognize that animals are still dying every day by, you know, by the millions animals are dying. Absolutely. And I recognize that. And yet I can't help feeling like, for me, I, I would never, ever stand in the way of somebody being an activist at all. For me, though, I've found that talking about the, the good parts of being vegan rather than the bad parts of being an animal eater works better to convince people to try it to start maybe. And I know people who've gone vegan from having conversations with me when I talk about it in in that way. And activists are necessary, absolutely. The, the reminder, the constant reminder that this is what's happening day in and day out, minute by minute, is crucial, I think. It's crucial and it's critical. It's just not my focus. It's not what I choose to do. I want to give a shout out to my friend Heidi Cohen, who is out there all the time posting and talking about it. And my friend Nitu also, they're out there posting and talking about it and really uh, just being upfront about the things that are going on. My friend Lisa, who runs, who's the founder and runs the Red Robin Song Animal Sanctuary, talks about it all the time because she has rescue animals that she's taking care of, she and her team. Uh, Gene Bauer, who is the co-founder of Farm Sanctuaries, another they're they're talking about it. He talks about it more from the kindness perspective. He I I, I don't know if he's a Zen Buddhist, but I have a feeling uh, he could be if he <laughs> if he had a a spiritual bent. I don't know him well enough to add, to to say one way or the other. But but you see what I mean though, that there is this continuum of the people who are going to talk about it from kindness, like Gene Bauer, from, hey, look what cool thing I'm doing, like me, and then more activist people who are going to be really in your face about it, because that's necessary, too. There is absolutely a lot of the changes that we've seen happen because people have been out on the front lines talking about it, shouting about it, carrying the the posters, carrying the signs that say this is happening, because a lot of us don't think about it. I personally don't 
think about, well, didn't think about it. When I was growing up, I was a hardcore carnivore. I ate very little in the way of vegetables. I loved fruits, I loved sweets, and I loved meat. I will be honest. And when I realized what I was eating, when I really realized it, I, I changed when I really thought about it in my early 20s. And so the reason I'm thinking about it in this terms is that when someone is vegan, and and someone is and they're eating with someone who's not vegan it challenges what they know and the person has to justify to themselves that yes i'm going to keep eating animals every time every time someone eats with me they have to sort of do that little internal justification yes i'm going to keep doing this and then hopefully from me to all of my friends and loved ones what happens is over time they realize that they don't need to and that they can do this and have less dead animal on their plates. And so there is there is that challenge that they have to sort of face every single time. But then there's also what society tells us, right? Milk does a body good. Uh, well, that, that that isn't necessarily true. Again, I'm not a nutritionist, but it certainly does a calf good. And what happens to the calves when their mother's milk is being taken for human consumption. That's something that we really, you know, we all have to think about what happens to the calf. Who was supposed to be drinking that milk? Uh, that's a problem, right? That so, so that whole, you know, milk does a body good and got milk campaign by the dairy industry was designed to get people thinking that they need to have milk. And there are lots of doctors out there going now, yeah, you don't. You don't. And in fact, look at the increase in the number of people who are uh who can't have dairy, right? They are allergic to dairy. And I think that's happening because we're seeing it more. We're seeing more what is actually going on. And people who used to think, oh, I just have an upset stomach are realizing that it's a sensitivity to dairy. And likely that is because we shouldn't be having dairy. Dairy isn't, dairy from cows anyway, isn't good for us. And uh, and I'm just gonna say that because so many people's allergies, I have a niece who's allergic to dairy also. And it's, the numbers are increasing in part because I think we're seeing, we're understanding more what those uh, the characteristics of the issue are or have been. So that's something for us to think about, right? And when you don't know the whole story, when you do see tons of commercials telling you to eat steak and beef, not dead cow, notice, I always, I'm always interested in the fact that pork is actually dead pig, beef is actually dead cow, you know, we, we do say turkey and we do say chicken, but for the bigger animals, we don't. We call them something else. And you have to wonder why. Why do they call them something else? I think it's a separator. I think it's a way of dividing yourself, creating distance between yourself and the fact that you're eating this dead animal that you can that you can look at and talk to. So that's something else. And what to do about it, I've already mentioned that, yeah, there is a spectrum of what you can be doing. I mean, the, the, the sort of the far end of the spectrum is uh, sort of radical acts of civil disobedience. And even sometimes people go in and they, they free the pigs that are being held in atrocious captivity. That can happen. There are also on the end or other end of the spectrum, people who are brand new and just discovering what it is to live a cruelty-free lifestyle style. And then there's me who I, I'm all about find the ways that 
invite people in. That's kind of where I am, even though in this episode, I know I've talked a lot. I've talked a fair amount about some of that stuff. Uh, and yet I know myself and I know that I would lose it if I were one of the people on the front lines as the trucks are coming in with the pigs that are going to be slaughtered, that they're going to be, the people are going to be killing. I don't think I could handle it. I know myself. And there's a wonderful uh, moment in the movie Rob Roy, not wonderful in, in good, but wonderful as in poignant and profound. Uh, Jessica Lange's character, it, it, uh, the Tim Roth character, I'm sorry, I wish I remember the character's names. Tim Roth's character rapes Jessica Lange's character and she plays the wife of Rob Roy. And his friend uh, is talking to her and he's like, you have to tell your husband. And she said, no. If I tell him, he'll go after this guy and he'll just, they'll kill him. And she said, if I can bear to have it happen, you can bear to be silent. And that moment was just so profound for me, that that notion of if she could bear to go through it, then he could bear to shut the hell up um, is so profound. And it kind of makes me go, okay, maybe I should push myself and do this. But I think I would, I think I would lose I think I would lose it. I think I would be completely inconsolable. And I don't know that I could do this. I don't know how the people who are doing this find the strength to keep doing it, to, to over and over and over again, talk to these beautiful creatures and pet them and give them the only kindness from humans that these, that these wonderful beings have ever known, right? This is the thing. We do this and we are part of it. We are complicit in it day in and day out in part because we as a society think, oh, I, I remember a friend of mine who has who has passed away. She and I were talking about this. She's like, I totally understand why you're vegan, but I'm never giving up my bacon. It tastes too good. And I think I thought to myself when she said that, I'm like, wow, uh, your convenience should not trump this pig getting to stay alive, right? That's That to me was what I thought internally. And, I, and honestly, at the time, I didn't know how to say it, but I did later. And before she passed, uh, she, had, she hadn't started doing anything about eating less meat, but she was thinking about it. So there is that. And I'm not going to name names. I'm just going to say that it was, it was interesting that she had at least started questioning whether or not this was going to be good for her to do. She hadn't done anything about it, but she at least talked to me about it and said she was thinking about it. So that's something. Anyway, uh, yeah, so when I see people who are doing activism in this way, this is something that we who are vegan in this show, remember, my focus on this show is not vegans who are 20, not vegans who are 15, who are on the boots on the ground doing things. My focus on, on the show is really to talk to you if you are in your 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s and beyond who, if you're thinking about it, if you're newly vegan, if you're vegan and you want someone to commiserate with as far as the fact that I cannot find the seitan corned beef that's supposed to be out there. Uh, and, and the fact that, you know, they're just, they still have not figured out a way to make a good a vegan version of Swiss cheese. Uh, so there's that. Uh, and actually, I, I want to talk, since this episode is going out the day I record it, I want to talk about something that, before I do the restaurant review of the week, something that I just saw that happened, that Miyoko Skinner of Miyoko's Kitchen has been voted out by her board. I know, right? What? <laughs> they voted her out. And I'm so fascinated by the fact that that happened. She started the company, uh, and I think 2014, she does incredible cheeses. And I am I am amazed 
and and uh, indignant on her behalf. I'm I'm not sure that she wanted to leave, but that happened, right? That that is something that happened, and weirdly, uh, she was she was voted out, and, and and the justification for her to be voted out was that they wanted to take the company into an expanding direction. In other words, they wanted someone to be CEO who was going to focus on increased sales, increased revenue, getting more of these vegan products in front of more people. And I think that's great, except for that, as I said, she is the face of that company, right? Her innovations are what created the brand. And frankly, I'm shocked that they removed her because she's the face and the name. And an increased role, I think, from from a chief operating officer might have been a better route to go if they actually wanted to expand usage and, and what they're calling brand awareness, right? That's the problem, is that I don't know that that's the reason. And I'm speculating here, I, I will be honest, but but think about it. This woman who started this, who's doing these incredible aged vegan cheeses, and they are incredible, they're so tasty, and she's doing it all with nuts and things like that. Just brilliant work, brilliant innovator, amazing person. I, I actually hope to have her on the show at one point or another. And so there's there's this notion of, huh, she she did all this incredible stuff. And now because she, you know, she had a board of directors for her company because it was an in, uh, incorporated company, it was a corporation, they voted her out and now she has to go and do something else. And I honestly, I was thinking about this. When she started the company, did she have it in her head that someday she might be voted out, that that was a possibility? And did she do, uh, did she put in a clause in her contract with them that said that that they could not hold her to a non-compete, right? In other words, what if, what all those recipes that Miyoko developed for the Miyoko's Kitchen brand, does she get to keep using them or does the brand get to go? These are ours and you who invented these never, ever, ever get to use them again. Think about that, right? This is the machinations here are so bizarre because if she didn't, if she didn't have it in her, in her mind that they could vote her out, that she could be ousted from her own company. If she didn't have it in her mind, she probably didn't put that in the contract that she doesn't, that they can't enforce a non-compete. In fact, there might even be something in there that says that there's a non-compete, that she can't make vegan cheeses for a while. And I got to tell you, that makes me livid on a level that I'm having trouble processing. And so there, there's something here that I, I wish that I could talk to her about it, because if that is the case, then think about what happens to entrepreneurs who want to start these companies and what they need to do in order to protect their intellectual property, their innovations, their inventions, their creativity, because your board could eventually go, oh, we want to take everything in a different direction. And you who started the company, who are the name and the face of the company, you're out. And I, I, I do wonder if the reason they voted her out is because they thought that she was too polarizing and too political on behalf of non-human animals. Because if you follow her on LinkedIn, Miyoko Skinner, if you follow her on LinkedIn, she's always talking about this. She has she has a, a, a farm where she uh, has rescue animals and things like that. I, I can't even, I don't even know exactly what the animals, who the animals are, but I know she's got rescue animals and she's got, she grows some of the things that she needs in order to be able to make the recipes, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know the whole setup, but the point is 
that she talks about these non-human animals that she shares her life with and she talks about slaughterhouses and she talks and she is polarizing she is political she is out there on the front lines talking about lowering the cruelty right and so i'm wondering if the board went oh we're we're getting pressure to not have her do this and i don't know if they talked to her and said hey you have to stop and she said no screw you i'm going to keep going i have no idea but isn't it something for us to think about like what what does being an activist mean particularly if you're a vegan activist what does being an, an activist mean when you have a board to answer to and how much quote bad behavior uh, are you allowed? Isn't that interesting, right? This is so. This is a fascinating. This is a fascinating uh, topic of conversation, and I, I I wish that I could talk to her about it and get her point of view and and blessing because there's something here that's profound and poignant and really needs to be opened up and looked at. Because if you're an entrepreneur and you're taking on, uh, you're incorporating and taking on a board of directors you could be voted out. So protect yourself. Very important. Protect yourself. Okay. Now I want to do uh, the review of vegan restaurant that I have tried in these last couple of weeks. It's Red Bamboo, which is the first big main vegan restaurant in all of New York City. It's over 20 years old. And it I'm going to tell you where it is. 140 West 4th Street, New York, New York, in the West Village. And I had never been there. <laughs> I had never been to Red Bamboo. Uh, in the entire time I've been visiting New York since it opened and, and since I've lived here, nope, I actually got in, invited by friends for a friend's birthday. Hey, would you like to go to Red Bamboo and have lunch? Sure. Didn't know what it was. Passed it many times. Never thought anything about it. Went in and it was uh, a delight in many ways. The people who work there are phenomenal. I would say that the menu is is extensive. There's all sorts of different stuff. There's Asian inspired food, there's Southern inspired food, there's sandwich food, there's salads, all sorts of stuff. I will say that some of the stuff I had, I was like, hmm, okay. Uh, for example, the BLT, it's the, the, the B of the BLT is seitan. And uh, my husband makes, uh, you know, bacon with a K out of rice paper. And uh, it's amazing. And I, I'm like, I may be spoiled because that is what I want in my BLT. But hey, you know what? That, it, it was fine. The fries are delicious. Uh, the first meal that I had, though, was uh, chicken, if you will. So it was fried chicken and uh, green beans and mashed potatoes and gravy. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was, I have never eaten actual chicken never in my life, even when I wasn't vegan, I've never eaten chicken. So I don't know if it tastes like chicken, but it was good. You know, it was tasty. The The plates are huge. Uh, on the other hand, the cocktail shrimp that I had one of the other weeks, wow, it was weird because the texture was right uh, there. The shrimp cocktail sauce was right. Everything was right there. It was a little creepy. Uh, and that's one of the things that happens to me when I taste food that's too reminiscent of the dead animal. I go, I get a little shiver. I, sh I shudder a little bit because I don't need it to, to be like that. But at the same time, I'm a sucker for the condiments. I've realized recently that one of the things I love loved about eating meat was that I love the condiments. Like I love the barbecue sauce. I love the ketchup. I love the cocktail sauce. I love uh, the hollandaise sauce. I love the, you know, all of those things. Like I, I can do, I can put it on a bunch of uh sauteed tofu and be just fine. I don't need for it to be 
the ribs of a of a dead pig. So, uh, so yeah, condiments are great. The shrimp cocktail was great. The the uh, steak and, and potatoes again, steak being vegan, uh, and potatoes delicious. And I would say maybe just a hint too much of the uh, rosemary, just a hint too much. I would have I would have eased up on that, but me, I'm getting really nitpicky on that. But I have to tell you, if you go, I was told by Tanner who works there, shout out to Tanner. Hi, Tanner. If you're listening to this, I was told by Tanner that you need to come on a Tuesday to get your desserts because that's when they have the delivery. So Tuesday evening, Wednesday, great days to come. Mondays, if what you want is great dessert, is not a great day because by then they're usually sold out. So a little tip for me to you, go Tuesday evening or Wednesday if you want to get their desserts. And the desserts are amazing. I had a white chocolate and raspberry cheesecake with a a sort of a raspberry coulis on top and a gluten-free crust. And it was amazing. So creamy and delicious. Just the right taste and texture and the the raspberries set it off beautifully and and the presentation is always a delight there so I, I I really I have to tell you I've tried several desserts there and have loved them all but the white chocolate raspberry cheesecake was amazing the one thing I want to come back and get they have a an apple and cream cheesecake thing that I French apple cream cheese from the Baker Square in Southfield, Michigan was one of my favorite desserts ever. It's not vegan. I ate it the last time, something like 35 years ago, uh, because I think that Baker Square place closed about that long ago. So, uh, so yeah, I would say that apple cream cheese thing is next on my list. I'm going to have to go by there on Wednesday <laughs> and have some. But anyway, yeah, I highly recommend Red Bamboo. Uh, The shrimp cocktail, absolutely. The steak and potatoes, absolutely. The various uh, Asian-inspired foods that my my husband has gotten, absolutely. The dessert, without a doubt. Uh, The the fried chicken, I know people love it. It's just not my thing. It uh, looks like half a chicken and drumsticks. Oh, yeah, I did get the drumsticks, the buffalo drumsticks with barbecue sauce, all vegan, all vegan, of course. Those were amazing uh, with little wooden skewers. Uh, and it, it, again, I don't need for my food to, to taste like meat or to have the the mouthfeel of dead animal, but I got to tell you, it kind of does. So for me personally, I enjoyed the the taste, but the texture was a little too a little too close for comfort, even though some people really love that. I, I personally don't. I'm I'm fine with tofu taste looking like tofu, except for I like my rice paper bacon that Rich makes. And I should put find and put the recipe up. I, we got it online. You can you can look it up, uh, rice paper bacon, and you'll find it, and it's amazing. So uh, if you go to Red Bamboo and try it, let me know what you liked about it. I would love to feature you and, and maybe get a quote in from you and have you say something like, hey, I loved, I had this dessert and I loved it, and you'll be on the show. And uh, yeah, so I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. And uh, <laughs> my brain is my brain is shutting down right before I have another podcast interview in five minutes. Yikes. So yeah, I hope that you've enjoyed today's episode of The Vegan Life. Again, this might be moving over to the Creative Solutions podcast. I'm going to put a link in the show notes 
to that uh, to that podcast in this podcast so that you can get there easily. And the reason is because I want to uh, I want to be sure that I'm getting everything all in one place. This year for me is about consolidation and focusing on things in the right way. So this show might go on for a while, simultaneous to that one, or it, I might be moving the whole thing over, but I'm giving you fair warning. Okay, until next time, as always, this is Isolde Trachtenberg for the Vegan Life podcast, reminding you to be bold, be creative, and most of all, be kind. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you being here. Please subscribe to the podcast if you're new, and it would mean the world to me if you told a friend about it. Today's episode was produced by Isolde Trachtenberg and is copyright 2023. As always, please remember this is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Past performance does not guarantee future results, although we can always hope. Until next time, keep living what you believe in. (music) 